3: And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. And I'm joined by Leonor Cavoda. Hello, Leonor.
1: Good morning, Scott.
3: Am I driving straight? Yeah, I think you're driving straight. Okay. All right. Now, <laughs> I. Um, you probably didn't get that, so I've been- uh, I'm
1: still working on it. Explain <laughs> the metaphor, the analogy. Uh- <laughs>
3: I'm on pain medication. <laughs> oh, right.
1: right. Um, no, uh, yeah, for for those who have been wondering where you are.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I had a, a bad back, so I did a show Monday, and the next thing you know, uh, I got this bad back, and uh, it's going and coming, but man, it, you know. Nothing like, you know, nothing like going to the gym to sweat. Yeah. But with a bad, back, with a back pain, you don't have to go to the gym and you still sweat. Yeah. It, you sit and you look at a pair of shorts you're about to put on. You're figuring, literally, you spend about three minutes as if it's a Rubik's Cube on how you're going to get those shorts on your body <laughs> in the least amount of pain. <laughs> you know? It's uh, it's been a struggle uh, this week, but everything is fine. Uh, Which some, is
1: the important news?
3: Yeah, no, the health is good and the X-rays were good. But today I get an MRI. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, so
1: so we expect you to be delivering more reports about the state of our medical and healthcare industry.
3: Mm, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, in any case, we have uh, lost thirteen U.S. service members now killed uh in the suicide attack at kabul airport
1: this is the deadliest attack since august 2011 when militants shot down a chinook helicopter killing 31 americans seven afghans and a military dog
3: and where was that
1: that that was uh that was in Af- afghanistan so it's the you know it's the uh, it's the uh, uh as i was saying it's the deadliest attack since 10 years ago
3: this is what 50 years of D.C. leadership get you. Yeah. This kind of experience, 50 years of Washington, D.C. political leadership experience gets you all of this, folks. It gets you Joe Biden. But I, I actually believe there's a lot more going on here than meets the eye. And it's not just blind stupidity. And it's not—I don't think it's—and I think it's not just blind greed, although greed plays a big part of it. I think there's more to it, and—and that's where I want to start today, because when I'm looking at this, I was listening um, to—I was listening to. Joe Kent speak on uh, Tucker Carlson and what, what I found uh, interesting about his remarks was that he brought the military industrial complex into it and he's a candidate for congressman running in the state of Washington but let's take a listen to Joe Kent uh, because I thought this interview was really good so let's take a listen
4: Joe Kent is a U.S. Army veteran who served in Iraq. He's running to represent Washington State in the Congress. He's definitely one of the good guys. We're honored to have him on our show tonight. Joe Kent, thanks for coming on. You're the, you're the first in our lineup this evening. So I just, I'd just i ask you for your your baseline perceptions here. What do you think of what you've seen today?
0: Well, today has been an absolute tragedy. But unfortunately, I think we're seeing... Over uh, nearly two decades of lies come unraveling. The U.S. military has been saying for nearly two decades we built this Afghan government and this Afghan army and that they were worthy of the sacrifice of our brave young men and women and that they would hold. And then we're also seeing the lies of the Biden administration come unfolding as well. There was a hard plan in a deal to get us out by May, but Biden did not want to execute President Trump's plan to get us out by May, the deal that he negotiated from a position of strength. Instead, he wanted to cut a separate deal, His own deal that gave the Taliban three months of prime fighting season time to plan this assault that we're seeing now. And now we are completely at the mercy of the Taliban and our troops are hostages, essentially. And we are not taking proactive steps to go on the offensive to get our people out of there. We're prioritizing refugees and anyone but Americans. It's an absolute disgrace.
4: It does seem pretty clear that in a situation like this, obviously, it's complex, lots of moving parts. You know, I always give people the benefit of the doubt to some extent because, you know, it's hard. But any normal person who loved his country would say job one is getting our citizens out. That comes before everything else. There's no question. I mean, anybody, any normal person would decide to do that. But they haven't. Why? Why?
0: No, that's absolutely correct. The only reason that I can think of is just the culture that the Biden administration has set from day one. They opened up our southern border. They're letting thousands of illegal refugees in that way, illegal immigrants pushed in by the cartel. The Biden administration's national security establishment ran by Lloyd Austin, Blinken, Sullivan, all of them. They are part of this culture that believes America is a power in descent and that we are not a unique nation or an important nation. And that culture has echoed throughout the national security apparatus. And now we are prioritizing getting Afghans out of the country. And the only reason that I can think of to get all these unvetted Afghans out as fast as we are trying to get them out is to pump even more refugees into the heartland of this country. That seems to be the top priority of this administration. And again, it's a complete and total disgrace and it's completely and totally reckless.
4: So you're part of the despised group that actually fights our wars. You know, working class kid from the Pacific Northwest. You joined young, you got married, your wife was killed fighting one of these wars I mean, how much of their contempt do you feel personally as you watch them make these decisions?
0: I feel an incredible amount of uh, contempt and and resentment. So my wife was killed about a month after Trump attempted to get our troops out of Syria the first time. Every time that we attempt to end a war, the military-industrial complex fails catastrophically. Under Trump, they double-crossed him and lied every step of the way to leave our troops in harm's way. He tried to get us out of Afghanistan as well. He finally came up with a deal to get us out in May. The military-industrial complex has now lied to President Biden. They did not prepare us to get out right now, according to Biden's timeline. Biden should have never made that deal. He should have had us out in May, and the military-industrial complex should have not lied to a duly-elected president that's president trump not president biden they shouldn't have lied to either one and they should have had a plan to get us out but it's clear they didn't i can feel the contempt the politicians and the military industrial complex the unelected bureaucrats they treat us just as cannon fodder to make their political gains and we do not have to take that anymore this is our country and we need to start taking it back it's all crumbling apart right now the illegitimacy of the biden administration and the illegitimacy of our permanent ruling class
4: Man, you're making me upset just hearing those words because they're, they're, they're so clearly true. And I think anyone listening tonight who's lived in this country for the last 20 years knows that ex- what you said is exactly right. And my last question to you, not to increase the level of bitterness here, but there are a lot of people responsible for the debacle that we're seeing now for the deaths of those 13 Marines, the Navy Corpsmen, today. And you wonder if any of them will ever be held accountable for what they did.
0: They will be held accountable. We are going to take the House and the Senate back in 2022, and we are going to hold a full inquiry on all of our wars, starting with this incident, starting with this botched withdrawal, and essentially working our way backwards. We know that we've been, li- we've been lied to about Afghanistan for years now. The Afghan papers that's that right. came out last year that the media ran coverage for, that all started to expose the lies. We know Iraq was based on lies. There will be accountability when we take our country back, and that's why I'm running for Congress to take this nation back.
3: So my takeaway from that interview is his discussion of the military-industrial complex. Yes. And what I read into that is one of the grand poobahs of the military-industrial complex is not just the top brass in the Pentagon. It's people like Lindsey Graham that have been in the Senate. And John McCain was recently making a uh, jerk of himself. Uh, When he was alive I mean, you know I should say when he was alive When he made a statement And the statement was uh, About his Tarnishing of uh, Blinken And I thought Oh, let me listen to this It turns out that You know, the idea of leaving Afghanistan Wasn't such a bad idea And Trump had that idea first Really It was his idea first Um, But yet still what, what, What has happened is that he was basically blaming Blinken, McCain was blaming Blinken for wanting to leave. This was going back in uh, before 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so he takes to the stage on the Senate floor, and um, so he's bad mouthing Blinken. Then Blinken's always been wrong about foreign policy, and by the way, every time there's a foreign policy disaster. Guess who's the deputy and uh, sitting next to the Secretary of State? Who? Wendy Sherman. Yeah. Every single time. Whether it's the Korean nuclear deal in the Clinton days, whether it was the Iran nuclear deal with John Kerry and JCPOA. Uh, Chris Christopher is one of the dumbest secretaries of state, and he was a liberal. He was Carter, Carter's Secretary of State. And then Bill Clinton said he did such a poor job with Carter I want to go ahead and uh, get uh, Secretary Christopher uh, to uh, um, be my secretary of state. Mm -hmm. And they hire Wendy Sherman to help negotiate the North Korea nuclear deal, which failed. And the Iran nuclear deal failed. And a lot of these other decisions that were being made involved people like Wendy Sherman or Blinken, whether it's Benghazi the folks that uh, Clinton was working with, Hillary Clinton. Um, but, you know, you got to look at this and say, so John McCain and his best friend, John McCain's best friend was Lindsey Graham. Well, they were basically trying to keep into war. So McCain's argument about Blinken was Blinken wanted to leave Afghanistan yeah. and that McCain wanted to stay in, in infinitum he just didn't ever want to leave. Yeah. And that was great for business. That was great for business because if you watch this movie, um, it's called War Dogs. Right. And it's actually a very interesting movie. And who were the actors again?
1: Oh, um, that that was a jo- jo- Jonah Hill and uh, Miles Teller.
3: Yeah, Miles Teller was in Whiplash.
1: And, and there were other people in it too, like... Um Bradley Cooper was in it as yeah. well, but those were the two main main stars.
3: Well, and the thing about Bradley Cooper was he was one of the military contractors that didn't even like America. All right. He liked Serbia, and um, and he was a guy that actually served both sides of the war. This right. was based on a true story, yeah. and so the idea was uh, Bradley Cooper's character. Yeah. And um, the idea is these people that are involved with weapon sales, whether it's to Support an American agenda by fulfilling the needs of mercenaries and eight mercenary agencies, like um, like uh, Black uh, Eric Prince's or outfit Black yeah. uh, uh, Blackwater. Blackwater, yeah. Took,
1: and and just for those who don't remember, Eric Prince is the brother of former Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. It's all
3: connected. It's all connected. But yes. In any case. So what happened is, like for my my exa- for a good example of what I think actually did happen, was when everybody was complaining about Barack Hussein just ordering up blankets and pillows for the Ukraines, yeah, Ukrainians, their, their military. I think McCain and Lindsey Graham went over to Barack and said, "We got the we got the weapons covered." Yeah. And sure enough, in War Dogs, what did they need? They needed that dry cleaner yeah. king yeah. to finance, uh, basically, the deals. Well, in the case of Ukraine, I have good reason to believe that it was the Minnesota Twins owner that was the financier of the upfront yeah. money. And it was Amy Klobuchar that secured the, fun, the money. And this was a Minnesota Twins owner, Poles, or Poland, or something like that. With a Z in it. Yeah. And um, he, um, so Amy Klobuchar, Lindsey Graham, and John McCain are videotaped and filmed, and they went over on official business. But then, next thing you know, all these photos prop up of them standing in front of the Ukrainian military with all new weaponry. Yeah. Now, the issue here is this the timing, number one. It was during Trump's transition, December 31st, 2016, mm-hmm. New Year's Eve 2000 for 2017. And they're sitting there with the Ukraine military having a celebration. And the reason why that was done, because once President Trump became president, they would have then be, been committing treason. But they already had a deal with President Obama. Yeah. So therein lies the rub. So somebody like the Minnesota Twins owner was basically going to be uh, out his return on investment. He made the initial investment. Somebody made the guns. They were close to having the distribution done, but it didn't get done. They didn't think think that uh, Trump was going to win. So when Trump won, they had to expedite a whole bunch of things that were in the works. They were in the military-industrial complex. They were in the black market. And that's what's going on. So when we take a listen to his commentary, Joe Kent, about the military-industrial complex, we're also reminded of what happened in Syria. Syria, again, was uh, where ISIS was involved. And ISIS was involved, and we were financing ISIS. Yeah. And we were financing ISIS And next thing you know uh, Benghazi goes down And Benghazi was the, the entity That was arming ISIS That's why we took over Gaddafi threw, Killed him, murdered him Took his weapons hid them in a storage bin in a school Ran them On a boat to Syria We released Al-Baghdadi From Camp Bukha He went to Raqqa Syria, set up headquarters. And once all those weapons ran out of steam, because Benghazi was shut down after Benghazi went down, that was basically because an anti-ISIS force had interests in stopping Mm -hmm. the arming of ISIS. Mm -hmm. And that's why we were under attack. And so, next thing you know, how do we arm ISIS after Benghazi went down? Well, we had the Iraqi army mil- uh, Armed to the teeth And in ten, within a matter of days That military Ran for the hills And retreated From an ISIS military Which wasn't even highly organized It was like the Taliban And the same thing is true In Afghanistan What do we do with the Taliban 5? We released them They became leaders In fact, Ghani's Brother is the leader of Taliban, dictating the terms that says, no, you can't release any Afghan soldier, or soldiers, SIVs, or basically um, citizens. Forget about it. Get out of here. By August 31st, or you'll, or you'll be toast. And we had to go like, yep, he means business. Yep. And not only are we negotiating with the terrorists called the Taliban, But we're actually trusting them to uh, oversee the safety of our soldiers. Which
1: is ludicrous. We're we're trusting the Taliban to make sure people get out of the country? Uh, That makes a lot of sense. And many
3: say that the reason why the Afghan fighters stopped fighting was because we pulled the payments from them. We didn't pay them to fight. So where he says basically that... um, well, we're going to also listen to one other, um, but uh, Glenn Grunwald, but, um, Greenwald. Yeah. but Greenwald. Um, but the issue is, we should never have trusted the Taliban for our safety. And we should have never stopped funding our forces and, until we were out. Of course, why in the world do we shut down the largest air base, Bagram? Yeah. Why do we do that? Because this airport could barely sustain the load that's going on against it, which led to the crisis on Thursday, which was where we lost 13 mil, uh, Marines.
1: And then and there were almost 100 Afghans lost, too. Exactly. I mean, this is a tragedy of we epic We make promises to
3: these people. Yeah. And promises made. But it was a Biden problem. My word is a Biden. Have you ever heard Biden say that? You have my word as a Biden. I'm like, what the heck does that but mean? Sort of you're the like biggest that, lying fool on like the planet. Sort of like that
1: stronger than oak line in Jerry Maguire.
3: Yeah, stronger. Yeah, but you, what you don't got, you're not going to get my signature online. But what you have is my word, and my word, it's stronger than oak. Yeah. And next thing you know, like two days later, two days later, <laughs> his son the, Cushman went with the other team. Went with the other team,
1: and that's what we see happening here.
3: Cushman. Cushman.
1: I gotta say, yesterday I thought Biden uh, must have been tired because he took far more questions from the press than he normally does.
3: Yes, but he knew the questions. I mean, of course he knew the questions. You could say it's... Peter Douchey, uh, got a question in. He that's... did.
1: He said that to the most interesting guy in the room. Yes. And why is he the most interesting? Because he's not. Uh, because he doesn't agree with him. Because he challenges him. <laughs> I guess.
3: What is he going to say at this point? They've yeah. already admitted. They've already admitted complete disaster. Like, everything that they're admitting to now is something that any other administration would hide from the hills from. All right. Like, that was the thing they were trying to bury. But there's nowhere to hide here. Mark Simone writes, We will hunt you down. He's quoting Biden, right? We will. This is what Biden said in his speech. We will hunt you down and we will find you. Doesn't really work when you just had trouble finding the podium And you have trouble when you leave the stage finding your way out in your own home sometimes. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, in your basement. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr. said giving enemy terrorists lists of Americans in a territory that they control is treason. So Biden admitted that he gave a list of people that he was entrusting the Taliban to keep safe. Yeah. And then they weren't safe. It's like, how did that work out for you? You trusted the Taliban to keep us safe? Yeah. By giving them a list of buses. This bus, we want you to let this bus go through. This bus has a lot of very important people. Yeah. Okay, and then that bus is the one that actually gets hijacked or something? Yeah. It's like, no, that's not what you do. You fight evil with evil. You fight force with force. You, you don't give your opponent everything that you want. Lucas Tomlisman says US Gen- general says since August 14 the US military has been sharing information with the Taliban to re- prevent attacks. That's a quote. Again, how did that work out for us? Not so well. What kind of fools do we have running the show? And again, the question is is it by is it is it by ch- mistake? Or are they setting up a collapse of the Biden administration? And this is the beginning of that collapse process. Yeah. Whereas polls go so low that even Nancy Pelosi, who was celebrating yesterday out West with women's suffrage and didn't even mention Afghanistan. Right. And she was laughing and giggling for the first six minutes. Talk about tone deaf. Yeah, it's crazy. And so. She mentions Kamala, and they're starting to promote Kamala.
1: Well, Kamala, like you said the other day, when you were observing her uh, mannerisms, she's having to look like she's not laughing, and when she comes out and she does this thing with she her can't head, help, but her she just knack- won the lottery. Yeah. Well, and she just she has these mannerisms, which you know they've exaggerated their uh, interpretations of her Maya Rudolph on Saturday Night Live, where she's always moving her head back and forth, and her, her words are kind of wavering. You know, it's just it's just very bizarre the way she physically she's communicates. So and and well, and that's the problem with taking her seriously because well, that's the other thing. She did make a comment about a uh, ganja some time ago. Well, you know, and being from Jamaica, which upset her father of all things. But she, but there's a thing about her in in the way she presents herself, where it is hard to take her seriously, and also to trust her character. That that there's something about the way she communicates that doesn't come across
3: as genuine absolutely absolutely so um so i was uh uh, so bradford file writes the bradford file writes it's hard to believe 81.2 million voted for this crap show right
1: they didn't (laughs) that's the answer they didn't
3: no i don't think they did
1: no they they absolutely did not and you know when you when you listen to joe biden and you hear him speak uh yeah, he, he he I guess he pulled it together yesterday, and as I said a moment ago, he actually fielded more reporters' questions. Most of the time, he doesn't even answer the reporters. Well, if he didn't
3: take Peter Ducey's question, they would have said, "Okay, they were all scripted reporters."
1: Well, exactly, and that's why he had. That's why he had to do that. So He
3: took one, but if you if you would compare that to. Trump.
1: Trump. It w- Trump got a firing squad. And he literally, even though he had press secretaries, went out there every day talking to the reporters. Uh, whereas, you know, Biden is uh, so protected and scripted, you know, that, that God uh, help him if he accidentally says one word wrong. And, and they because they know that he's prone to gaps. And they also know that He's uh, become more diminished since he was the uh, former vice, since he was the vice president. And, they, you know, and who knows what he might accidentally stumble into saying.
3: So let's let's take a listen to Glenn Greenwald, who gave a comment to Joe Kent, who we heard earlier. Okay. So let's take a listen.
2: I think the comments that your first guest, Joe Kent, made, as they usually are, were extremely insightful. Because if you notice, he was critical of the plan to withdraw. But he put that into the proper context, which is that it's not like just this last part got messed up. It's been 20 years of ongoing fraud and lies deliberately on the part of the government with both parties and especially whatever you want to call it, the deep state, the national security blob, to keep this war going. They lied about Iraq, they in in the beginning they lied about the progress that they claimed they were making in Afghanistan that they know that we weren't. And so I think the key there is that that is the political party to which the media is most loyal when it comes to foreign affairs. It's not Democrats or Republicans Both of whom, by the way, have many people wanting to stay as well. It's the military and the CIA. Those are the people with whom the corporate media, the vast majority of them, are most closely aligned and whose ideology they they most aggressively and loyally disseminate.
4: If you talk to guys like Joe Kent, you know they're the people, the individuals who are so misused by this system, by the media, by the foreign policy establishment. They're the ones who got killed. His wife was killed. I got to think that's why CNN is being so tough on Joe Biden. I mean, I've never, you know, they've even said word one about Joe Biden's inability to think clearly, but all of a sudden they're mad at Joe Biden. Is it that he touched the third rail for them, which is withdrawal? Look, I mean, I think the key thing we have to remember is
2: there were three presidents consecutively, Obama, Trump and Biden, who all won national elections based on a promise to leave Afghanistan because the majority of the country on an overwhelming bipartisan basis has been done with the war. Obama didn't get it done, couldn't get it done. Trump is the one who started negotiations to his great credit with the Taliban and reached a deal with them, and then Biden carried it forward. And this whole time, all of their friends at CNN and NBC, the generals they employ, the CIA operatives that they employ once they leave, the sources on whom they rely, have been working to undermine and sabotage it. Joe Kent just got done saying his wife thought in Syria because Trump ordered those troops gone and they just ignored him. They lied to Trump yeah. and kept those troops there.
3: That's it, just it. And I, I think that Kennedy was killed as a result of not wanting to get into the Vietnam War. Right. If you look at what Johnson did directly after Kennedy, yes. right, and you look at Syria, and I remember Trump on a uh, speech and saying, we're just going to leave. We Thank don't you. need to be there. And you know, Syria was never going anywhere. Russia controls Syria. Russia's invested in Syria. There's a lot of reasons for that. Their largest new, uh, navy base, their largest naval base, is in Tartus, in Syria. Their largest naval base outside of Russia is in Syria. They signed a 50-year new lease uh, not long ago. I mean, about seven years ago or something. But they signed a new 50-year lease. Why in the world would we think that we're going to destroy Syria? But we certainly got a lot of refugees out of Syria by creating a lot of conflict. That was one thing. The other was that there was a lot of um, currency being traded on the black market, weapons, oil, drugs, and humans. Human refugees, drugs, what did poppy seeds do? Heroin, right, in Afghanistan, their main commodity is petroleum in Afghanistan. The other commodity is precious metals. Great for China. And, you know, um, great for China. And China is uh, a huge benefactor of the precious metals because they're the ones that make the batteries. And they need those metals. Right? Yeah. And in proximity, it's not that far from China, Afghanistan. It's not that far. And then uh, who else benefits? France, another globalist nation, socialist run by a socialist, Emmanuel uh, Macron. Emmanuel Emmanuel Macron. Emmanuel Macron, and um, so they have airbuses that require these essential metals, and we're hearing this new name, ISIS, ISIS K, ISIS K. What? What the heck is ISIS-K? And ISIS-K, it's pronounced Horasan. That's what the K stands for. It's spelled K-H-O-R-A-S-A-N. Khorasan province. Mm -hmm. But you really the way you pronounce it is Horasan. The K is silent. Yeah. So they call it ISIS-K. And then once you know... That if you look it up in Wikipedia, it says ISIL-K. Like they changed the name. The Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. Yeah. But, and then Khorasan province. But others call it ISIS-K. And ISIS-K basically adds to it. So they would rather say that the enemy is with isis and they keep on saying ISIS-K to make it sound a little more mysterious. It's a new byproduct. Mm-hmm. No, it's the old ISIS. Where do you think ISIS went after, you know, uh, Trump beat the crap out of them? Yeah. They just moved to Afghanistan. Everybody knew it. And it compounded the complexities in Afghanistan. And so we decided this. That when we once, once we eventually leave Afghanistan, what do you think is going to happen? You think ISIS or the Taliban are going to go and take charge? So there'd be more and more bloodshed, and that's okay. But what our main goal was is to, not, to make sure that Afghanistan was never a training ground to, to, to uh, execute another 9-11. We were, was there, we were there to prevent 9-11. We didn't need to be there 20 years, and we didn't need to spend trillions of dollars. What we needed to do was whatever regime was going to be running that show, we needed them to do it on their own time and on their own responsibility. And we were go- banking on Karzai and, and Ghani. And they were failures. They were corrupt. They were hoarding money. And we had a government that was just giving it to them. Keep giving them money and they'll keep doing the right things. These were people with leverage. So they got paid to do nothing. And nothing they did, and nothing is what we show for it. You put money into it, just like we put money into the levees in New Orleans. And Mayor Negan, who was too busy trying to turn New Orleans into a, quote, chocolate city, that didn't go over well, um, was hoarding the cash. Big surprise in New Orleans, it's corrupt. And next thing you know, the levees were not really fortified. The money that we were spending to fortify the levies was going into the pockets of greedy politicians. And Katrina just went over the levies. No problem. And the same thing is true in Afghanistan. So much corruption. If you really want to get into the business of making money, get into an NGO that finds its way into the middle of the money train between the United States and any third world rogue nation that's struggling struggling and they're getting U.S. aid, you'll be rich overnight. Or get into the war dogs thing. Sell them weapons. Because you'll have politicians like Lindsey Graham selling out America to enrich themselves and other politicians for support. Just like they said to Obama, don't give Ukraine anything but blankets and pillows. We'll give them the rest. And they made good on it with their investors, like the Minnesota Twins. But a lot of people got rich off of that. In exchange, what happened? They said we'll go ahead and support your JCPOA Iran nuclear deal, yeah. Which was Obama's golden parachute, 150 billion dollars. Zarif made money. John Kerry made money. Uh, Wendy Sherman made money. All these boneheadedly stupid people made money. And. The other part is they're still in charge. Jake Sullivan was part of that deal. Susan Rice was part of that deal. And Wendy Sherman was part of that deal. And who do you think is advising Biden but people like John Kerry? Yeah. All part of the deal to sell out America and support our enemies. They're supporting China. Do you think China happier today than they were last year? So they supported China. And they supported Iran. And in a long way, Trump couldn't even pick up the phone to call Vladimir Putin without being called a Russian sympathizer. Right. But yet we've given them the Nord Stream 2. We've put the Keystone workers out of work. We've now become energy uh, uh, dependent. And uh, we're in a bad way. Oil prices and beef prices are through the roof. We went out to dinner, you uh, know, you know, when we were traveling, and I took a picture actually. I was going to post it on Facebook, and I remind, I I I, I uh, was reminded I was. Um, Banned. Banned,
1: yeah. (laughs) You're in Facebook jail. I think that's the terminology.
3: Every other... Yeah, I I get two weeks on and 30 days off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like
1: you're walking around with an ankle bracelet.
3: I was looking through the list of the reasons why I was banned, and the last two out of the last four were related to a Hunter Biden story. (laughs) There you go. They were protecting Biden. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it is interesting that... um, uh, the note that i was I took a photo of was on the restaurant table and it said, "Beef prices are higher." Uh, due to shortage, or whatever. so
1: we've had to raise our prices for beef, and and the restaurant that that we were talking about, the in question, some of their other prices, proportionately speaking, were lower, and we were actually saying, "Wow, these are the, the this is this is a nice restaurant, and it's not the prices are not that expensive." But yeah, I mean, the fish and the other items were not that expensive proportionately speaking. But to get that notice right. about the beef,
3: right? I so said, "There it is in real life." Yeah, in real right. life, exactly. Real life. Real and, life. and
1: you're going to see it more and more as we go on.
3: So uh, we're going to flip to some other stories now. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ashley Babbitt and Michael Byrd, Lieutenant Michael Byrd. What a racist that guy yeah. is. That guy is an absolute brutal racist. Before we get to that story, we want going to talk about what Australia is doing. So listen to this complete draconian shutdown.
5: Uh, I also want to strongly uh, message today that New South Wales is calling on industry and citizens to get ready for when we are 70% double vaccinated. That's when things will start to open. Uh, The New South Wales government will start conversations with uh, industry, uh, but we do say that the condition uh, of you participating in what will be reopening is on you being vaccinated. Because when you start opening at 70%, there are certain activities only vaccinated people can do. Uh, Because we know that whilst a certain portion of the population is unvaccinated, that poses a risk to to too many people. So for that reason, we're asking industry to dust off their COVID safety plans, get the QR codes in check. And we're also working on an app in New South Wales that will allow you to sign into a venue, but also have proof of your vax all in one to make it as simple as possible, and we'll have more to say about that in coming areas, in coming weeks, I should say.
3: So basically, that's the beginning of a social credit scoring system. But nobody wants to admit it. So I said, this was the plan all along. Australia is the first in the West to fall to, the, to China. Who will take Taiwan next? Social credit score systems are coming soon. Globalism always creates chaos then exploits it to gain power. Look at Syrian and Afghan refugees. Everything that you're seeing is planned. And basically, you know, Rahm Emanuel, Obama's chief of staff, told told Obama everything to think and do. Basically said, never let a good crisis go to waste. So never let a crisis go to waste. And what he meant by that was, You could exploit things during a crisis that you couldn't otherwise exploit. In wrestling, we actually call it a scramble. You know, when somebody is desperate to score points in the last 30 seconds or they're going to lose, and all the single leg and double leg attacks are, you know, what what they're trying, those are conventional, and those conventional moves have defenses against them. So it's hard to pull those off. So what sometimes people do is they'll do something crazy, get themselves into a really absurd scramble and then let the chips fall where they may. They might get pinned. They might pin the other guy. They might win. They might lose. It doesn't matter. You wouldn't wrestle a normal match like that. But with 30 seconds left and nothing left to lose. I think Emmanuel wrote the book on he was the sort of one of the pioneers of this concept, Rahm Emanuel. By the way, Tina Chen is probably going to have to step down from times up. I've said this all along too. And that is, Rahm Emanuel is the chief of staff of Barack Hussein Obama. Guess who was the chief of staff of Michael Obama? I mean, Michelle Obama. Um, Tina Chen who's the leader of Time's Up. So the leader of Time's Up is also friends with Rahm Emanuel's wife, childhood, childhood friends with Rahm Emanuel's wife. And she was the chief of staff for Michelle Obama. Rahm Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago at the time, of the Jesse Smollett situation, was... Friends with, um, you know, so there's Rahm Emanuel, there's Tina Chen, there's Rahm Emanuel's wife. Now, the issue is, they're all connected with the Obamas. And so Tina Chen and her Time's Up organization, what was Time's Up? Time's Up was an anti-sexual harassment organization in Hollywood. And I've always said, since, since the Smollett years, I said, and Tina Chen is Michael Obama's chief of staff. And she, I think, is shaking women down. Basically, women go to her for help. But basically, it's sort of like what Sandusky did in luring children into a safety net only to find out that it was a trap. That Sandusky guy from the Penn State thing child trafficking, whatever. And so the issue with Tina Chen was she was entrapping. She was sucking in uh, victims of sexual harassment in Hollywood. Thinking that they were safe, they were blacklisted. Well, it turns out that she was basically going after, in a very negative way, the women that would come forward and blow the whistle on Andrew Cuomo. And so Time's Up did exactly to women what they said they wouldn't do. They were there to help and support sexually harassed women in the workplace. And they were actually going after them for political reasons. So she's going to have to probably step down is what they're talking about. And this is the uh, chief of staff of Michelle Obama, right? Doesn't make sense does make sense, really. Now, when you think about it, too, who showed up to support Kamala Harris when Kamala Harris ran for president, when she announced her run for the presidency? It was Jussie Smollett wearing a Time's Up t-shirt. And you can Google this. It was Jussie Smollett wearing a Time's Up t-shirt that is a Tina-Chen organization. And there's a picture of Kamala Kamala and Jesse Smollett and the Times Up T shirt. Why is that significant? Because Jesse Smollett went the bat for Cory Booker and Kamala Kamala Harris's sexual harassment legislation. I'm mean, not sexual anti lynching legislation. And you think about that and you think, wow, this is all in a very weird way connected. And I even say that Avenatti is in jail right now because he messed with Nike, who is in bed with Obama over TPP. And they owed Obama one or two, but not three. What Avenatti was asking for was three. Avenatti got the one and the two. Avenatti that took a knee in the NFL and started the whole knee exercise and parlayed that in the wake of the Michael Brown Black Lives Matter group, there's a method to their madness. If you think about how big these things have become, it's because they've gotten the media endorsement that supports them. It's because they have the Don Lemons and the Chris Comos, all these hypocrites. Don Lemons got his hands down another dude's pants, getting charged for that. Chris Comos writing scripts for his sexual harassment brother, trying to figure out a way out, lie his way out. I mean, they are the biggest sellouts. I believe Chris Cuomo faked his COVID experience. What a Fredo. But what we have here with um, these crises is they're allowing this this COVID experience like we see in Australia, to sell out. They're they're the first in the West to basically go full CCCP, which is sad. And Tina Chen also is a sad individual. And all of these people are connected to the globalist movement and the movement that wants to control populations, whether it's refugees, whether it's open border immigrants. Somebody needs slave labor and somebody needs to do it. We already got the slave labor for imports. The people that make our widgets, they work in China for slave labor. Great. 12-year-olds working 18-hour days for pennies on a day, and that's where we uh, get these cheap products. No, of course it's not great, but it's the way it is. And these multi—who has access to those? Does does uh, the mom-and-pop shops on Main Street have them? No. Do the multinational corporations get access to them? Yes, because it's all about economy of scale anyway. Because selling a 1,000 products at 50 cents discount is only 500 bucks. But when you turn that into, you know, 100 million, it becomes a bigger number. So the idea is multinational corporations are the only ones that can set up the molds and the blueprints to get the mass manufacturing that benefits from the slave labor. So it's only the big guys that make out like bandits. And when they do, they put all the small guys out of business. Then they raise their prices. And next thing you know, they're richer than Midas. And that's been the way of the world for a long, long time. And it's sad It's sad, and it's true. So my comment to the Time's Up, I said, Time's Up CEO, Tina Chen, once chief of staff for Michael Obama, and child friends to Obama's chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel's wife, personal friend to Jussie Smollett and Kamala Harris, must resign as more evidence emerges that shows that she worked against Como's accusers. And Emeril Robinson wrote, you can't believe things are this bad, but Austin was busy removing Trump voters from the military while Millie was studying white rage. Sullivan, Jake Sullivan, probably can't load a gun, and Avril Haines ran an independent bookstore in Baltimore. Now she's, CIA, uh, she's the head of DNI. So we didn't, oh, didn't put our best or our brightest in charge. Nor were we supposed to. This was supposed to happen. Now we got a refugee crisis. We got more liberal voters in Wisconsin. You know, I saw one of the uh, Afghanis on TV, and it turned out that the backdrop behind her was the, the uh, archway to the west in St. Louis. And I said, St. Louis is in play. You mark my words. Afghans are being sent to St. Louis. And, uh, People aren't paying attention. Remember the uh, Missouri surge in the COVID? That meant a lot of people through the open border were being bused and flown to Missouri, probably St. Louis, where they're going to do all kinds of election rigging. And we must get ahead of this. We're still waiting for this to come out. So we'll see. Let's take a listen to uh, this Tucker Carlson clip. Oh, we don't have time for the whole clip. All right, so what I want to do is I want to take a take a um, a listen to... Well, I had it queued up, and now I don't have it. But I'll, let's take a listen to this one. No, this one's too long. It's too long. So we'll play this tomorrow. But basically what you had was you had um, Lieutenant Michael Byrd. It's come out now. We know who he is. Basically say he saved a lot of lives that day. And of course, Ashley Babbitt's husband is livid about it. You know, they, they're treating him, the liberals are treating Michael Byrd uh, with, with like this hero status. Never mind the fact that four people, if you want to count the guy that had the, um, the uh, seizures and died the day after, five Capitol Hill police died. But at least four of them, I think, committed suicide. And you wonder if it's not murder, right? That There's a cover up in the making. Here's this clip I want to No, No, to there's no
4: greater it. sin than that. To leave it in a men's room? and not report it? But he wasn't punished. Byrd reportedly told his fellow officers at the time that he would not be punished. He was right. He said he'd be, quoted, quote, treated differently because of his rank. He was lieutenant. A In his interview with NBC privilege. News, that same Michael Byrd explained why he shot and killed Ashley Babbitt.
0: We see your arm out there for a considerable amount of time. Were you wavering? I was
2: taking a tactical stance. You're ultimately hoping that Your commands will be complied with, and unfortunately, they were not. When you fired, what could you see? Where were you aiming? You're taught to aim for center mass. Uh, The subject was sideways, and I could not see.
4: But first, until today, we couldn't say "No, no the officer's name, not because the authorities released it, but because he felt like revealing it himself. And he did with his sympathetic friends at NBC News. The officer's name is Michael Byrd. If that name rings a bell, you may have read it in the paper because it's the same Michael Byrd, the Capitol Police officer, who left his loaded Glock 22, loaded with no safety, in the men's room in the Capitol building in 2019. Now, if you handle firearms for a living in a police department or in the military, you know there's no greater sin than that. To leave it in a men's room and not report it? But he wasn't punished. Byrd reportedly told his fellow officers at the time that he would not be punished. He was right. He said he'd be, quoted, quote, treated differently because of his rank. He was lieutenant. In his interview with NBC News, that same Michael Byrd explained why he shot and killed Ashley Babbitt.
3: And that we just heard. But it's crazy out there. It's, it's absolutely stunning. We're going to play the full clip tomorrow. Uh, actually, um, the, the next, uh, on the next show, we're going to play the, uh, that full clip. It's worth a listen. The the two standards of justice when you consider you know the Floyd, George Floyd situation versus the Ashley Babbitt situation and the way the two situations were treated it's stunning. Absolutely stunning. I think this Richard uh, this Michael Byrd guy is a racist. I actually believe he is and I think it's he's got this black privilege concept going, where he can make mistakes and not be held accountable. And when you get to know this man, you're going to realize what a loser this guy truly is. In any case, uh, we're at the end of our show. Be sure to check out buglecall.org, macapack.org scottadamshow.com for the latest podcasts, and I'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.
0: Just to bury my kids right up to there.